0: out in the two messages that we had covered so far, I thought I told him, I said I think there's one more. Brother Norm Wells went, brought out. He was raised up in the, uh, I believe, not Susanville, but Victorville I think it is, up further north, up in the northeastern corner of California. A very dry and deserty area, but they, they grow quite a bit up there. And He was sharing with us in one of his services how, when he was a kid, they would go out and plow the field to get the rocks out of the field. You hit rocks, you get out there, you had to pull the rock out and go move it. And says, it didn't matter how many times you went over it, you always pulled up another rock. That's kind of the way God's word is. Isn't it? It's always the same message. I'm going to preach the same thing today that I preached last week. Only we're going to use one other text to bring us to our subject look with me let's read it in full shall we let's read it in full 36 through 50 and one of the pharisees desired him the lord jesus that he would eat with him and he went into the pharisee's house and sat down to meat. and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that jesus sat at meat in the pharisee's house brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known... Who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered. Isn't that interesting? He answered. The guy didn't even speak out aloud. But God Almighty hears the hearts of all. He hears your heart. And Jesus answering him said aloud, He said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he, Simon, would say, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom the forgave the most. And the Lord said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the young woman. He turned to her, he faced the woman, but he spoke again to Simon. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven, verse 49 and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You see, it's the same story as last week. Those who have great sin need a great need great forgiveness. Who is he? Isn't that what we come here for? Who is this? If I showed up here today and started talking to you about Hamas and Israel, I would hope you would get up and walk out of me. I was at a church once up in Pollock Pines. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not afraid to... I'm not bashful. I'm not ashamed to be mentioning names. I'm not ashamed at all about it. I've been to that church three times on the request of my mother. Not once did I hear about what the Lord Jesus did. Just to prove that to you, we showed up one time to honor my mother on her 70th birthday, all five of us kids, and the preacher stood there and talked. It was happened to be St. Patrick's Day, and they or that, that week. And they spent the whole message talking about how some guy named St. Patrick went about establishing churches all over Europe. It's not even a Catholic church. It was all about what that guy did and it had nothing to do with our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Isn't that what we come here for today? Isn't that what you need? I've been coming here for 26 years. Almost 26 years. I come here for the same reason every Sunday, every Friday. To hear about a Savior. To hear about Him. I'm told that all I do is flap my arms around on top of the pond. I don't go deep enough. I'm, I'm boring. I say the same thing over. If I'm that boring, then what do you folks keep coming here for? For the same reason I do. Because He's not boring. Hearing about how He has saved me from my sins this last week. Hearing about how he's going to save me from my sins tomorrow. How he's going to save me from my sins the rest of today. How he saved me from my sins from the moment I got out of bed this morning. This is what John Reeves, a sinner, needs to hear. I need to hear the story about this man who saves. Because nothing else can save. I know that all my works... Everything I can do is tainted with sin. So I need one who's perfect in every way. Not just once, not just the one time that he opened my eyes, I need him every moment. I need thee every hour, do you? Why did this woman? Why did this woman come in to where there was a bunch of religious people being the sinner that she is? What, I mean, imagine the humiliation that must have been. How she came in with her face down, unable to even raise up her, her eyes into those around her who were so much better than she was. Why did she do what she did? How could you explain the actions of this woman? What would inspire her To put that shame aside and come in. Salvation. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people. She owed much. But she had also been forgiven much. And because she was forgiven much, she loved much. I love hearing the story of Jesus. I love hearing about who he is. I love hearing about God giving Himself in the flesh because He's loved me so much that He would have me for eternity. Isn't that the story of Christ? Isn't that the story of who the Lord Jesus is? God Almighty in the flesh. We spoke about this last week, but those who are forgiven much, they love much, and we never grow tired of hearing about this one who forgives us of our sins? This one who is, this one who is, is the one that forgiveth sins. Look at verse 39. Look again at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman it is that toucheth him, and what, for she is a sinner. This is the voice of the unregenerate man. The one who questions if God knew who it was that sat here in the seat and cried out. The whole point of that is just he does know. This was our voice before God's grace was shed abroad in our hearts. And it would still be our voice if it was not for his mercy. He who is forgiven much loveth much. One who has been given sight to see their depravity. We know that we would be in the thick of it all when the people rose up against God and said, Crucify Him, crucify Him. Oh, I wouldn't be. No, I know who the Lord is. I wouldn't have done it. Oh, yes, you would have. If you don't think you would have, then you think more of yourself than you are. We see clearly now the depth of our sinfulness We see clearly that we have nothing to pay the debt that we owe. We clearly see our inability to cover our nakedness. Who is this that forgiveth sins? That's what I want to know. Paul says it this way. He says, I wish to know nothing of you save Christ and Him crucified. That's the Lord Jesus who is God in the flesh. And what He's done, He was crucified. He, He laid down His life for the sheep. For the sheep. Not for the world, but for the sheep. That's what I want to know. I've sinned much this very day. Tell me about this one who forgives sin. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Many in today's world want to declare to you, okay, now you're saved. You've heard the gospel. You've accepted Christ into your heart. Now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. You have to prove to us that you're saved. It's called following the law. It's called legalism. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. For the law having a shadow. That means it wasn't the real thing, it was just the shadow of good things to come. And that not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So here we have a group of folks, religious folks, just like the Israelis were, just like the Jews were, very religious, very steeped in their religion, telling us that now that we're saved, now that we've been saved by grace, we need to go forth and start acting like we're saved by grace. We need to go forth and start fulfilling the law. That's what legalism is. Yet it says here, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Look at verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Did they not offer them every year? Did not once a year, every year, the, the high priest go in to, to make intercession for the people? Well, if their intercessions were worthy of, it, of being accepted of God, then they'd only have to have done it once, right? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more continuance of sin. But in these, verse 3, in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance made again, again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Now remember, we're we're, going to see a picture. And that's what the old testament sacrifices and everything was they were pictures pictures of the one who could actually do it the one who actually forgave sins and we're going to see that here in just a moment wherefore in verse 5 when he cometh into the world he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body hast thou prepared me Christ was made of a woman made in the flesh a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices verse 6 for sin thou hast had no pleasure then said I lo I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do thy will O God above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not neither hast pleasure therein which were offered by the law Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first. That's the law of Moses, that he may establish the second, the law of grace, the law of love. By the which will we are sanctified, sanctified, made set apart, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. One time what we just read here is about how imperfect all the sacrifices those priests of the old did but how the sacrifice of Christ was only needed once this is the one who saves sins this is the one who saved the sins of his people This is the one I want to hear about every Sunday. This is the one who cannot be thwarted. This is the one who cannot be turned. This is the one who does not change. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. By the which will we are made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering, sometimes, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, that's the one that those religious folks were looking at face to face. That's the one who you and I would have, may have been looking at face to face in God's word and did not know who he was. Who is this one who forgives sin? This man, after he had offered one sacrifice, verse 12, for the sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected if Christ has perfected you what is there for you to do left that's the most sobering, sobering question I've ever heard from this pulpit Gene Harmon if the Lord Jesus Christ has perfected you, what else is there for you to do? If you're perfect before God right now in the Lord Jesus, what more is there for you to do? Rest in him. I've had this conversation before about how well we need to we need to observe the Sabbath. Why? Because it says so in so many places. It says all over in the Old Testament to observe the Sabbath. I do observe the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is my Sabbath. He's the one I rest in every moment that I'm awake. Wherefore, by one offering. Who is this? Who is this that the Scriptures tell us about that saveth people from their sins? It's the one who has offered it once. The one who is perfect in everything that He does. Including the salvation of his people. Especially in the salvation of his people. God help us to rest in him. To put away our our desires to uh, to be righteous in our own selves. And accept his righteousness for us. It doesn't say that he was made sin so that we would be righteous. It says that we would be righteous The righteousness of God in Him. Isn't that what it says? Am I wrong in that? Look over at chapter 9. Look across the page of chapter 9. Look at verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for who? for us verse 25 nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You ever ever see the sins before you? Your own sin before you? And it just magnifies so ugly, and you think to yourself... How can I still be this way? How come I'm not like that woman at the feet of Jesus washing His feet right now? How come I'm not acting like uh, uh, Mother Teresa uh, going around and helping every every person and all their deeds? How can God love a person who still sins the way I sin? Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's how That one offering, as we read in verse 14, He hath perfected you. That's how. The very blood that is sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven is His own blood, and God looks at that blood and He says, I remember your sins no more. They're paid for. All of them. Even the ones you committed today. Even the ones you're going to commit the moment you leave this building. Even the ones that you're committing sitting where you are right now. Look at verses 15 through 18 of Hebrews 10. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to it. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. Have you ever struggled with the law before? Oh, don't get me wrong, I know we've all sat there and thought to ourselves, I shouldn't lie, it's a bad thing, but who's going to know if I twist my taxes a little bit this way? Who's going to know if I don't tell the whole truth about my sister being ugly? Who's going to know if I don't speak the truth about this? Who's going to know if I get angry about that guy who just cut me off in traffic? I struggle. I struggle with the law where I did not before. The law means something to me now. It's God's law. It's good for me. I strive to get down on my hands and knees and wash my Lord's feet with my tears. I don't do it very well. I don't do it acceptable in any way, but God Almighty doesn't need me to do something to accept me. He accepts me in His Son, the Lord Jesus. This is the one that they were looking at who they said, who is this guy? Who is this guy who can forgive sins? It's Christ, our Savior. That's who it is. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. This is the man who forgives. He's the man who has forgiven me of my sins. He's the son of the living God. Second Corinthians 5.21, we read these words, For he, God Almighty, God the Father, hath made him, his son, to be sin for us. And I know it's speaking of His Son because it says, Who knew no sin. Jesus Christ never sinned. He went to the cross for our sins. Because He had none of His own. He had no sin. He knew no sin that we, He was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Why would He do that? Why would He leave His glory and become the very thing which He will judge men to eternal death for? Look over at John chapter 17. I think this will be very clear. Who is this one who forgives sin? He cries out in John chapter 17 verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. That's pretty hard to understand, isn't it? God Almighty would be glorified in His Son becoming sin that we would be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's pretty deep, Edward. That That's pretty deep. Verse 2, As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him Verse 3, And this is life eternal that they might know Thee. Do you know who the Lord Jesus is? You know what it means to know who the Lord Jesus is? It means to believe Him. Whosoever believeth. The world wants you to think that it's your works that you need to believe, that you can muster up something inside of yourself and believe scriptures declare it to be a gift of God. This is the life eternal that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Verse 4, I have glorified Thee on earth, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do, and now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Wait a minute! Wasn't Christ born a, of a virgin? Oh yes, he was. He's always been God the Son. Did you know that? In the beginning, God created man in, his, in their image, in our image is what it says. Verse six: I have manifested Thy name unto men, which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest me, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Have any of you ever kept His Word? We have in our Savior. I can't do it in this flesh, but my Savior's done it for me. My substitute has given everything that is needed for me to be with God, and keeping His Word is part of that. Verse 7, Now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given Me are of Thee, for I have given unto them The words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out of thee, out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. All and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, again I want to ask you something. Does God want anything? We talked about this in the men's, meet, in the men's room just, or in the, in the uh, dining hall just a little bit ago. Does God want for anything? If your God wants for something then you're not talking about the true and living God. Plain and simple. That sign outside says if your God is trying, your preacher is lying. If your God is wanting, then He's not deserving of the word God. The word God means to be sovereign over everything. Sovereign creator of all that is. The world loves to say, oh yeah, He's sovereign over everything, but He's left me to make my own decisions, not the God of Scriptures. We were left to ourselves we'd be just like that group of folks who said, crucify Him, crucify Him. We're one with Christ, as Christ is one with God the Father. How can that be wrong? How can that need anything more? Isn't that what we read in in Hebrews? Perfected forever? Verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world; sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also that they also might be sanctified through the truth Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. Aren't you thankful the word of God had gone out? That they, that they all may be one, verse 21, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them, They may be one even as we are one, I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and as loved and as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the man. This is the man who forgives us of our sins. He speaks to the new heart within me. He says, as he, as he said in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He speaks to me when I am weak in my walk with him. He says, You who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. These are the words that God says to people that he has saved. You, who are kept by his power, the power of God through what? Through faith. unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Every time we come to the table of remembrance, our Lord speaks to our hearts telling us that our works are unworthy of anything. The works that are worthy of His blessings, of His salvation, is the works of His Son. The blood that He shed upon that cross a little over 2,000 years ago. This is what it is to come to the table of remembrance, to remember what He has done. Do you ever get tired of it? Does it ever get old to you? Not to God's people, it doesn't. It's the very same thing that reminds us every day that we get up out of bed. Our Savior is with us. Our Savior has done what is necessary. We may may stumble at the sight of our sin which is ever before us. But seeing the weakness of this flesh brings us back every time to the strength of God and that strength is in His Son and what He's done for us. Perfection. Holiness. Righteousness. Everything that we need is in Him.